Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us. In the name of Jesus, amen. We gather this evening as the people of God to return thanks to our Lord for the unnumbered blessings that he pours out upon us. As we look at the undeserved kindness that God pours out on us, we see his goodness compared to our unworthiness, and we sing praises to our God. And we do well to remember the explanation of the first article of the Apostles' Creed, which says, God richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger. He guards and protects me from every evil. And all this he does out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. For all of this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. See, we see that from this, that everything is a gift that is given by God. The clothing that covers your body, the food that you eat, the home that you live in, the family and friends that you enjoy and love, the functionality and health of your body, the ability to see and hear, smell and taste and touch, and ultimately every moment that you live and draw breath in this life is a gift. It is a gift given from a generous giver. Every big thing that you have is a gift from God. Every little thing that you have is a gift from God. Your very existence is a gift from God. As we remember the faithful words of St. James, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so as we look at our life, as we look at the fact that we woke up this morning, as we look at the fact that we have eaten today, that there are clothes on our bodies, that there are homes to live in, there are people who love us. As we consider all of these things, we have to see how much our God truly gives us. He gives us everything. He provides everything. All that we have in this life, from our money to the very air that we breathe this moment, is a gift. It is good to remember that. It's good to reflect on these blessings. It's good and right to think about the vast amount of things that God gives to us. To number them and try to recount them. Because when we really reflect upon ourselves, our lives... We can see so many things that maybe perhaps we take for granted. Those small blessings that come to us every day. Waking up in our right mind. Having food and clean water. Having shelter. Having people to talk to. These are little blessings that we have in this life. And sadly, it's often in our nature to overlook even the greatest of blessings that we have in this life, let alone even the little ones. Like little children at their birthday party opening gifts, they quickly tear open one package just to toss it aside and reach for the next. As they take gift after gift after gift, taken for granted that the gifts will come, while often forgetting to acknowledge the giver of the gifts.
We fail to see which is more important, the gift or the giver. And of course, the gifts, they are good. They're wonderful. But it is nothing without the giver of the good gifts. The gifts don't matter if the giver isn't there. Yet as we fail to see God as the faithful giver of every good and perfect gift, we often fail to see the gifts for what they are. As we take everything that we have in this life often for granted, being unsatisfied with what we have because we have and then we have not. And all we can focus on is the things that we desire. It is hard in this world to know contentment and joy and the simple gifts of God. We can only see what we want because we fail to see what we have. And this is a vicious cycle of ingratitude that we have to contend with in our own sinful nature. Because our old Adam does not want to give thanks. Our old Adam doesn't want to return glory to God. Our old Adam wants to be pleased. It wants to gratify self. That's what St. James is talking about. He, he chastises the early churches. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It is not this, that your passions are at war. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. Here, James is chastising the church because they are never content with what they have, but they see what their neighbor has. They see the acknowledgement or the clout or the wealth or the promise that they have in their lives. They see the relationships or the, or the privileges that they have, and they say, I don't have that, and it makes me mad. And this is the struggle that St. Paul says he's learned to master in our epistle lesson. As Paul is writing to the Philippians to express his gratitude for a gift they sent to him, they offered him some form of help or support during his imprisonment. We don't really know what they sent him, but it was a blessing. But he wants them to know that he's thankful for their concern and love for him, yet he also loves them. And he wants to impart a greater blessing. He wants them to know that while he appreciates the gift, he already has something that makes him content. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. That in every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, because I can all do all things through him who strengthens me. There's the gift. There's the giver. This is an amazing thing that Paul is sharing with the Philippian Christians. Is he's saying that whether he is full or starving healthy or sick, clothed or naked, housed or stray, he is content with whatever God gives him. He is just as happy in hunger and sickness and poverty as he would be with a full belly, a healthy body, and money to spend. And this is amazing. This is so different from how we are often inclined to behave 
as we think about our lives, think about a time when you have lost something, something that you liked or something that was important to you, a small comfort. How did that affect you? Think about a time when you wanted something and couldn't get your hands upon it. How did you feel? How did you act when these things were taken from you? Were you angry? Were you depressed? Were you disappointed? Did it make you bitter? Were you jealous or temperamental? I can say with some of my own personal experience that I often react poorly in these situations. Ask my wife what it's like in the house when I can't find my keys. It's not good. And the truly revealing thing about these situations is they often uncover who our God and our hope really is. And it's not the giver of the gifts. It's the gifts themselves. It's the gratification that we get from them. It's the importance that we feel from them. What do I fear, love, and trust above all things? What is the giver of every good and perfect gift? Or what is the gift, what is one of his gifts that I take for granted? As we see things maybe slip away that we get angry over. Paul has learned contentment in these circumstances. He hints at it earlier before our lesson. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think of these things. Do you see what Paul is pointing to? Paul says, rejoice always. He says, do not be anxious because the Lord is near. He says, meditate on what is good. Paul is pointing to the reality that Paul lives in. As the answer rests right before these verses, he says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. See, Paul has reason to rejoice. He has reason to rejoice in his imprisonment, he has reason to rejoice in his freedom. He has reason to rejoice in his poverty. He has reason to rejoice in his wealth. He can rejoice because Jesus is king. And he is a citizen of that kingdom. And King Jesus is coming to restore everything to its proper place and its proper order. And if King Jesus, if Jesus is king, then how can God do anything other than what is good for us? How can God do anything other than what is right for us? Jesus has died for the sins of the world. Jesus has risen for our justification and conquered every enemy that we might face. He has ascended on high. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And that means something. It means that he rules the creation. It means he's in control of the ultimate outcomes. As he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so if the king who loves you is enthroned over all creation, how can he give you anything other than what is good and right for you? 
The hymnist Paul Gearhart, he writes, God oft gives me days of gladness. Shall I grieve if he gives me season twos of seasons two of sadness? And his implied answer is no. He says, God is good and tempers every, uh, ever all my ill, and he will wholly leave me never. And why? Well, it's because he's good. He gives out of his goodness. That's why we pray Psalm 136 at the end of our meals very often. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. And that goodness is seen most clearly in the person of Christ, our King. God's love for humanity is shown most clearly in God becoming man eternally. We are ruled over by Jesus, who is both our God and our elder brother. And that same elder brother has given himself to die for the sins of the world and now sits enthroned over all creation. And so what could God possibly give us that is bad? If we have been joined to Christ, nothing is bad. The things that we like are a gift. And the things that we don't like are gifts too. If we separate ourselves from Christ, then nothing is good. These are the only two extremes. Even the things we like that give us pleasure and give us enjoyment, if we are seeing and experiencing these things apart from Christ, they're bad for us. Everything is either a good gift given by God out of love for us in Christ, or everything is a result of our own sinful disdain for everything good and will leave us eventually in great sorrow and suffering. It can't be one or the other. Either you are in Christ and you are blessed. Either good or bad, you are blessed and loved by God, or you are not. St. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8, he says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. God is the giver of good gifts. This is why St. Paul tells the Philippians, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Because him who strengthens him is good. It's true, it's great, it's something we should seek to emulate from Paul. Because then days of hunger or lack or sickness or desire or sorrow can be counted as a blessing from the hand of a loving God. And why? Because you don't lack anything. We would still know that God has not closed his giving and loving hand to us, that the blessings would still be flowing from the kingdom of heaven, that Christ would still be king, and his kingdom would still be open to you. Peter talks about this. He said, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, and in this you rejoice. Though now... For a little while, if necessary, you are grieved by various trials. Do you hear that? The church is grieved 
The church is suffering various trials and persecutions, but the inheritance and the riches, the gifts of the kingdom of heaven, the place in the Father's house, those are under guard for them. The riches of God are yours. Such a great and wonderful hope that cannot be taken away as we think about this, even in our own sorrow. Our hunger, our poverty, our sickness, not even death, can deprive you of that gift from God. And so as we consider this, we must count ourselves blessed by God, no matter what the circumstances. And we come before God to give him thanks. You know, Martin Luther said, um, very famously, where God built a church, the devil builds a chapel beside it. And so we have a great occasion right now, today, for giving thanks. We have tomorrow our national day of thanksgiving, and we are called as a nation and as the people of God in Christ to remember the blessings that God has bestowed on us. But we also remember the day after thanksgiving. Uh, that day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, followed by Cyber Monday, followed by Christmas parties and all that goes with them. And in the materialism of our society and our world, it will be very easy in the coming weeks and months to slip right out of contentment, thankfulness into ingratitude and desire. Remember these words from St. Paul. As we remember what St. Paul points us to in the midst of his plenty or in the midst of his lack, he says Christ is the one who strengthens him. And in that, he remembers that every day is a gift from an open hand of a loving God. And if every day is about Jesus, then it's impossible to wake up in the morning and not be thankful. In Christ, every moment, everything, from the things that are burdens, to the things that are blessings, to the things that are struggles, to the things that are comforts, every single one of those things is a gift. There's not a single moment of any day that is anything other than a blessed remembrance of God's love and care for us. Because he lives and breathes in you and for you as his body of believers. And so, my dear friends, be thankful. Remember those blessings. And even the things that you may not consider blessings, count them as blessings as well. Knowing that everything is given to you by the hands of a God who loves you more than you can ever know. And glorify Christ. Be in contentment, knowing that God has loved you perfectly. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank you for the love that you have poured out on us. Help us to see the blessings that you pour on us each and every day and help us to return praise and thanks to you as we live as your holy people. Help us to recognize everything that comes to us in life as a gift from your goodness and your love, knowing that all things work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith to life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen.
We now continue our worship as the uh, ushers will come forward to gather our offerings.